Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. I am back today with another episode with my friend Courtney. We are talking in this episode all about self-worth, how we're our own worst critics. We're also kind of diving into topics of like embracing your sexuality and really owning who you are, accepting who you are at the core, and talking about body image, things like that. This episode definitely took a turn at some point um, where we just started talking about things that I didn't even think we were going to bring up, but that's why I love recording these chats with her because we always have so many self-realizations through our own conversations with each other. So I'm really excited about this episode. I really hope that this helps some of you in one way or another and that you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into it. It's Ellen Courtney, and we are back today with another episode for you. Today's episode is all about how we are our own worst critics. We're going to be talking a little bit about body image failing and perfectionism and all of that good stuff. So if you're excited for today's episode, then let's get started. How are you today, Courtney? I'm good. I woke up at 5 p.m., so that's always good. Good. That is always a great sleep always drinking tea or coffee so I guess we should just jump into today's topic uh so I think well we've touched a little bit on this topic before because we kind of talked about the association of like a numerical grade value with like self-worth and so kind of harping off of that concept it creates this hardwire I think in our brain not just with grades but in a lot of aspects of where does our self-worth come from? Mm-hmm. What do we find as aspects of ourselves that we find worthy? Where do we define our self-worth and self-love from? So you have to kind of start giving yourself space to kind of think about that. I recommend maybe journaling it out or just thinking about it when you're doing something like laundry. You know, if you if you feel like you're in your head telling yourself like I suck I'm not good at this I'm terrible I should have done that better it's like challenge those thoughts why are Mm -hmm. why do I think that way because honestly a lot of our thoughts aren't our thoughts they stem elsewhere they stem from elsewhere we don't just think that we're unlovable we don't just think that you know we're not good enough we don't just think that we're ugly we think that because something influenced that thought whether it be somebody telling us that we're ugly, whether it be looking online and seeing like representations of what's considered beautiful and then being like, wow, that doesn't look like me, so I must not be beautiful. It's like all those outside things that are creating these thoughts within us and beliefs about ourselves. So I agree. It's like get into your own head to the point where you're like questioning and challenging your beliefs about yourself and Mm -hmm asking yourself why do I believe this to be true about me and acknowledging you know not everyone not everyone who's listening is going to be in a place to to do that but I I encourage you and I implore you to give yourself even a small window of time five ten minutes like I said like doing the dishes or folding laundry to start thinking about those things because if you're waking up every day and you don't like the way that your life looks and you don't like dealing with you because you're always with you you're not always with someone else but you're always with yourself so if you don't like the way that you're treating you you have to start thinking and doing unfortunately doing the work to figure out why that is and then over time you know as you come to your conclusions and you process where that comes from and and how to avoid it or how to work through it then you'll wake up one day and you'll be like wow my life looks exactly how I actually wanted it to yeah absolutely and even if you're not taking the time to like actually think about it but like I 
suggest trying to be mindful or just more aware of your thoughts. So if, for example, you know, you're standing in front of the mirror, like brushing your teeth at night, and all of a sudden you realize a thought comes over your mind, like, oh, look at my face. I don't know, like maybe you're breaking out or something. That's something I struggled with. I struggled with acne growing up. So every time I looked in the mirror and I saw my acne, I was like, oh, like I look horrible. I look so ugly right now. And it's taking the time to just be aware of how you're talking about yourself and kind of changing that narrative. And, you know, yeah, Yeah. it's always been told having acne is not considered beautiful in society. So that's kind of what we believe to be true. And just kind of building up that confidence within yourself, even if you have acne. Like for me, I used to never want to leave the house without makeup on. Like it was a must. I needed to put makeup on in order to feel like confident about myself. And now (laughs) I leave the house and I honestly, I don't get ready. I'm just like, let's just go. If I see people, I see people. And I have seen people at my worst, let me tell you. I find that it's not the way that somebody looks, right? That makes them beautiful. It's how they like present themselves, the confidence they have in themselves. Somebody explained this really well. I was, I saw a TikTok video. It was like the way that she presented herself. She just, you could just tell she didn't look confident in herself. But then as soon as she presented herself with like different posture, felt like a smile on her face, like she, you know, same exact outfit, same exact, looked exactly the same, but just you could see the change in her confidence and you could see that she was glowing because she felt confident in herself. And I don't even know if I'm explaining that right, but essentially it's like how you show up in confidence can be. Yeah, it's sort of like the, it's sort of like the vibrational energy you put out there. Like if you're, if you're feeling like you're, it's almost that saying of fake it till you make it where Mm. like you're basically faking like you're really confident and maybe you're not, but over time eventually you are and Mm -hmm. and then like you're basically oozing that out to the world and there are some people I think who appear very confident and then you talk to them and you're like I literally had no idea that you were struggling oh absolutely I could have never I would have never known if you didn't say anything absolutely Um, which I think is powerful too so it goes to show you that like fake it till you make it really works because other people are thinking that you're fine and you're really freaking out on the inside yeah and one of my favorite sayings is like I changed that to believe it until you achieve it. It's like oh, having it's that belief like... in yourself until you finally achieve it. Because sometimes oh, I yeah. feel like faking it, people used to like, I don't know, they used to just... It has a negative connotation. Yeah. Like you like, like you fake. have to fake it because you can't, because you're yeah. not already there. Exactly. I look at it as like you're faking it in terms of like you're faking out yourself and saying like you think you're not ready for this but you really are that's how I think about it but in in a lot of ways it could be a negative connotation of like you can't do this yet so you have to fake like you can yeah exactly Uh, so I actually like the believe it believe it it. until you achieve it and it also helps too with the whole like manifesting that I like to talk about you really have to believe in yourself and feel it even before it's here I was going to say something off of that too. It's like, I watched a few TED Talks and they were talking about, like they had followed children from all ethnic groups, all socioeconomic groups and the highest achievers in all of the groups. It turned out that they all had grit and then they were trying to figure out why some people had it and some people didn't. And one of the interesting quotes from that TED Talk was about, you know, how you can believe in other people your whole life and believe that they can achieve great things. But if you took all that belief and believed in yourself for five minutes, what would you actually achieve? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, I know personally, there's a lot of things I still have to work on and believe in myself for. But in terms of like academics and career, I never, I mean, other than times where I felt self-defeated, I never actually fully thought like, I can't do this. I've always been like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And if you don't think I can do it, then F you, watch me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I definitely can relate to that when it came to my like career journey too, because I remember when I first started my blog and I had people like doubting me and making fun of it and just all these things. And it's like, well, that there in itself could have been a distraction for me. That's like the Selena Gomez song, like, look at me now. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that we have to realize too, is because I don't know where this stems from and I really should like figure it out, but I always felt like I had to prove myself to people. Mm. I feel the same way. And it's like, but I don't have to prove myself to anyone. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone either, you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes we feel like we have to prove ourselves in order to be seen as worthy (laughs) or valuable. I feel like that that comes from like a societal, like overarching, like societal theme, right? Absolutely. Because, okay, so just like using the Kardashians because they're so popular as a benchmark, Kim Kardashian, for instance, she's a billionaire, she's mom, a smart business person. She still feels the need because people say that she's famous for nothing to become a lawyer so that she can prove to the world that she's smart enough and capable mm-hmm. enough that she deserves to be in that realm when you think about all the other things that she's already done she's more than proven herself but it's almost like in a way unknowingly she's passed that down to society and all of the youth that follow her as you have to prove that you're worthy to be here Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like thing for sure it's almost like this sick nature of like us young people always feeling like every door we step through, every room that we're in, when you go in a conference room or you get on a conference call, like you have to prove that you're worthy to be there. But yeah. you don't. You yeah. already worked hard enough to get in that door. Mm-hmm. That's your ticket. Like you, the and fact ha- that you're here, you deserve to be there. Yeah. And the fact that we're all just human beings, we're worthy just in the simple fact that we are who we are. And I think that's just one of those toxic mindsets that society definitely pushes. And again, it all goes back to the education system and how it starts there and how, you know, you have to prove your your worth through your grades and then get into college and all of these things. And then you have to prove yourself to your parents. You have to prove that you're a responsible child. You have to prove that, you know, you're going to be your you're best a good parent. Career. Proving that you're a good let's parent, talk, that too. Let's talk, we could, I mean, I, neither of us are parents, but that's know, a huge yeah, one. Having thing. to think about how many parents in the grocery store are embarrassed because their child is having a Mach 10 meltdown. Yeah. It's like, oh, and, all of a sudden they're a bad parent for it. Or the parents, there's like two ways, right? So there's the parents I've seen, which is how my parents used to parent, which is if you don't shut the hell up right now in the storm and drag your ass to the car and beat it. And then you're going to go home and we're going to achieve nothing, which honestly is super traumatic. It doesn't help. And then there's the other parents on the other end of the spectrum who are just like, all right, like you want to have a temper tantrum? I'm going to maintain my calmness. I have shit to do. And you can have that little freak out in the grocery cart. I'm going to keep shopping. I'm ignoring you. I think there's like somewhere in the balance, right? Of like, not fully ignoring your melting down child, but not beating them for it either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's all about like explaining or like helping your child to learn w- how to deal with emotion. That's all it is. That's what, well, and here's another thing. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and judge anyone who's listening, who parents their their child a certain way, because that defeats mm-hmm. the purpose of this conversation. Exactly. But, Essentially, all I'm saying is that a big reason that we see the things that we do in today's society is because nobody was really taught as children how to deal with their emotions. Mm. Or or the I, the concept of, of like, fuck what other people think, to be quite honest. Yeah, Challenge too. the status quo. Like, if you're in a grocery store and your kid is melting down and you're you're feeling anxious, you're feeling overwhelmed, you feel like people are looking at you, it's Are those it's people going to matter? When you get home? Yeah, like, they're not going to matter when you get home. They're not going to matter in your long-term life. But your child relationship, going to be there. Bingo. The only person that matters in that situation, like, long-term in your life, is that relationship you have with your child. So in that moment, I know it's really difficult, but it would almost be better to try to, I would say, tell your fight or flight, because that's what's happening. Your body's going into fight or flight mode. And talk to yourself a little bit and be like, okay, nobody's looking at me. If people are looking at me, I don't care. My child is my priority. These are just chemical reactions in my body that are getting me to be really worked up. And just like starting to notice those things and work on those things Mm -hmm. so that you can show up and be present for yourself. And thus you can show up and be present for your child and you can kind of teach them to emotionally regulate, which will take time. It's not going to be like, they're not going to be great the next time you take them into the store. No, exactly. 
But actually, and you're probably listening, what does this have to do with this conversation? It actually has a lot to do with this conversation because the way that a parent reacts to a child can have a heavy effect on the child's self-worth. Yeah. And self-criticism, because if I look back and I think about more so my mom than my dad, I felt like my dad always gave me a lot of emotional support and a lot of, I just felt like he gave me a lot of leeway of like basically telling me I was perfect if I wasn't, which actually I'll talk about that later, but um, might actually have hurt me. We'll talk, we'll dive into that after, but my mom went through a phase where her mom had passed away right when I was about to hit puberty and she really withdrew into herself because she was very upset and very depressed and she was the baby. So my grandmother, my meme, because we're, we're French, did everything for her. So she didn't know how to adult really on her own, even though she was, you know, had two children. We lived with my meme like my whole life. So the fact that she lost her was a huge blow to her emotionally. And so my mom, like I said, she withdrew and I was a preteen. I was about to hit, excuse me, puberty and start doing all the girl things. And my mom just wasn't present. She didn't show up for me. And like I said, a lot of my childhood was like, oh, you want to cry? I'll give you a reason to cry. So it was either like negative responses to emotions or complete complete isolation with my emotions because no one was ever helping me connect and process. So I felt like the there's two ways I think children can go when that happens. And me and my sister are opposites in this way. So my sister went down this path of like, okay, and this is obviously subconscious for both of us. We can now talk about it and realize it now. But she went down this path of like, okay, well, I'm going to do all these negative things because that gets a lot of attention. And she did. And I went down the path of like, I'm going to be the best kid I can be. I'm going to do all the things that you're supposed to do, not going to misbehave, not going to do any of the things that my sister's doing. And hopefully I'll get recognized for it. And I never did. Mm-hmm. And so that was really tough in terms of the relationship I had with my mom, because we still didn't have a good relationship when she passed. And then it was so hard to explain as an adult because I felt like she never fully understood because of the way that she was raised. But it's like the thing we talked about once before, we're like, sometimes People seem like they have everything together and they're doing well, but check in on your friends who seem like they're fine because yeah. they're probably not. They're just they're just trying to to force themselves into it. And it's the trauma of like, I'm being ignored, I'm being neglected. So I'm going to be as perfect and do all the things right that I'm supposed to do to try to get attention. And it's really, it's even more self-defeating when you're a kid and like, then you get nothing. Yeah, 100%. And that is exactly true. And I like how you really could go, like you could see it turn out this way or it could turn out that way. Like everybody's different on how they react and respond to certain, you know, traumas growing up. I definitely was the one that like, would be very similar to, I guess, not in a way like completely similar to you because I definitely did not push myself to do the best I could in school. I actually hated school, but I did go into this like self-soothing where it was like, okay, when I speak up about how I'm feeling, my feelings are pushed to the side. I'm told that I shouldn't be feeling that way or that, you know, it's all in my head, whatever else. So I'm being dramatic. Yeah. So I'm going to just self soothe now and keep all my problems to myself and do what I can. And I actually used to act out in a way where actually I did act out and to get attention. I used Mm -hmm. to literally like sometimes over dramatize. I'll be honest, over dramatize my sickness, my like how I felt to the point where like my mom I know nurses are not going to like this, but my mom would take me to like the emergency room or whatever because, you know, she thought that something was wrong and it always ended up just being me being overdramatic and also just my anxiety as well, just trying to get attention Um, because I found that, you know, maybe if I'm hurting, they'll actually care about me. Like maybe if I'm physically in pain, they'll actually pay attention to my emotions. Did you just feel like lost because... Like lost in terms of like being recognized or given that attention that like parents get from because at that I think at the stage that you're talking about in your life was like preteen teenage years I would say when your parents were getting divorced and like you had that huge falling out with your dad so now you've got no connection with your dad and then I love your mom I'm not bad mouthing her but she was moving you guys around a lot 
-hmm. and trying to find her way as like a new single mom in the world. And she was also still trying to navigate her love life at the same time. And so it became like her divide, her attention. And she was trying to support you guys on her own, which she's such a hard worker. She was like working like two or three jobs at one point. She was Mm -hmm. never home. Mm -hmm. So like feeling like you're not connecting with your mom because she doesn't have the time to devote to you. And then you don't have your dad at all because you guys aren't speaking. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, in that moment when all of that was going on, I still didn't like recognize how it was actually affecting me. Um, And even to this day, this is something I'm trying to work on too. It's like, I still shame myself for feeling the way that I did because I feel like I'm being overdramatic about how I felt in those moments when my parents divorced, when my dad, you know, pushed me off to the side to focus on his love life and how I felt pushed to the side when my mom was focusing on her love life. I mean, and she recognizes this now because we've actually had conversations about it. And that's the thing. It's like that fine line because I know my mom is such an amazing person. She's such a hard worker. She was doing all she could to provide for me. But emotionally, Emotionally and sometimes physically, she wasn't there when I needed her. And that was hard for me. And even to this day, still, like when I reflect on that, people are like, but your mom is so nice. Your mom is so sweet. She was never mean to you. And correct. She did not know how to discipline. That's for sure. Like she did not like. Yeah, to but di- that absence but is that's thing. just yeah. as significant as negative trauma because it's still it's still it's still if you think about it in terms of like addition and subtraction right so like negativity of like your parent towards you like aggression or abuse or whatever could be considered a negative like that's subtracting from you but so is an absence an absence is a is a subtraction Mm -hmm. So you're still you're still losing that connection that you would make with her. And so actually, it's probably impacted y'all's relationship in a huge way. It absolutely did. And there was a lot of underlining resentment that I had towards her. So because she wasn't able to physically be there for me or emotionally be there for me to the point where like, I could not even talk to her without feeling annoyed. And I'm sure Mm. that's pretty normal for many kids uh, to feel like annoyed with their parent. But like, it was like, I constantly wanted conflict to happen. Like I just, I was very like, because I just felt so hurt by the lack of attention that I was getting from my parents growing up that I would act out in a way where I would like that blowout fight that I had with her. Well, she also attracted a lot of controlling men. And that was not easy for me either. Because it's like, mm. well, now... Sag. Sag. I'm a Sherris. You don't control me, okay? <laughs> I'm a freedom uh, no. seeker. <laughs> but honestly, being around controlling people can also push you towards this. I don't know what kind of mentality it is, but it kind of felt like I was never doing anything right. So mm. then I was subconsciously creating this perfectionist mindset because I felt like I had to be on my best behavior. I had to do things perfect or else, you know, the people around me would get upset. I felt like too, I don't know if this was like family pressure or society pressure, but I felt like for a long time, like you felt like you had to show up as like this beautiful skinny blonde girl. And like, that was the role you were expected to fill. And I feel like eventually you got to a point where you were like, F that. I am me. And if I want to dye my hair blonde, I'm going to. If I want to have a six pack, I will. Like, I'm going to do things that serve my soul more than serve how I exteriorly appear. Mm -hmm. Because that's other people's perception they're forcing on me of how I should look and show up physically. But that's not where my value comes from, which actually I found very empowering, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I definitely was so connected to like the physical material sides of life for a really long time. And it wasn't until my spiritual journey that I realized how much that was not adding meaning to my life at all. And I think where that stemmed from the whole like beauty aspect, because when I first started my blog, I was blogging about makeup and beauty and things like that. Where that stemmed from too is I did struggle with feeling ugly growing up, even though I people were, you know, I, I went through a phase. I feel like everybody has a phase where they're picking themselves apart. I like I still am trying to work on that. So don't think that I'm coming on here preaching and, you know, saying that I'm good at this because heck. Progress I'm, over yeah, perfection. Exactly. Progress over perfection. But like I mentioned before in a previous episode where I hit my mouth and, you know, my teeth were all 
effed up. I used to get picked on about that all the time. I had like a terrible smile and people would always bully, like not bully. I don't know. I know bully is a big word. It was, it was, listen, it, it felt like don't it. diminish your experience. <laughs> you were bullied. People walked around school calling you dookie pukey. That is bullying. Yeah. And then we would go home and go on instant messenger and people would message you and be like, what's up dookie pukey? That is bullying. <laughs> I know. I, I, and it's it's bad because like back then I used to like consider it like oh they're just trying to flirt with me or you know they're just being like funny but it's like at the end of the day people were saying like I was that tall awkward girl that never had a boyfriend with messed up teeth and acne and all of my friends always got like some of my friends that I had were, were the ones that were always chosen mm. you know I wonder if we're trauma bonded because I feel the exact same way like growing up I was preteen years I was like very chubby I wasn't grown into my body I felt very awkward in like my physical being and then people were like I was tall so people were calling me like Godzilla at school every single boy I ever liked either liked some other girl who was like obviously skinny and pretty or no one very few guys I went to school with which is weird now because I get the opposite response now that I'm in my 30s, liked redheads. And then like a lot of the guys that I liked, I would find out after like we were talking for a while that they were talking to me because they wanted to talk to my sister, Ugh, which was that. so traumatic. Like every single guy I would like in like high school and middle school wanted to hang out with me because they wanted to get to my sister. And that was very traumatic for me because I was like, okay, I guess I'm just never good enough good physically enough, right? I, yeah. I used to I like. literally used to like cry and journal about how I wasn't physically worthy of having like a boyfriend in school because everyone else had one but I was being bullied and then that probably bonded us together because I felt like I was just like this awkward ugly person that no one valued and then I think maybe being in each other's lives I think this is like a revelation a little bit um <laughs> we came together and we were like no like you're a beautiful goddess to each other absolutely and eventually we like met our husbands and everything but it was like I think maybe us and some of our other friends also supporting us like helped us build our confidence our confidence up. up absolutely and that's also a big thing too is like be mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with are you surrounding yourself with people who lift you up or are you surrounding yourself with people who criticize you pick on you make you feel less than because you don't have to settle for that either and for a while I feel like that's something that you know we were trying to figure out back then Mm. and I also find too is that we tend to attract people into our lives especially with like love relationships that mirror back to us the wounds that we have from childhood because our ego goes after what's familiar so for me I was attracting guys who emotionally were unavailable. And that's because I never got, you know, that emotional support from my family. So, or at least that's how it felt like to me. So every guy that I attracted emotionally could not be there for me. They could not be there for me in many different ways. The first guy that I had, okay, well... Let's say my first considered, like, I guess, real relationship, because there was this one guy I dated, and literally he would only talk to me through text message. And then in person, let's not say names, by the way, but in person, oh, I think I know who just this is. like turn the other way and like not even say a word. It was very so quiet and awkward. awkward. It was so awkward. And then I don't even know if you know who I'm thinking about. I'll tell you that after. But then the <laughs> next guy that I started dating, which was like very similar to that, he was super awkward and quiet. We had no communication. When I hung out with him, he wanted to hang out with his friends. So I would sit in the car while he would smoke weed with his friends, like by the dam. And it's just, was just like the worst kind of relationship and then the only time he would give me attention especially physically was when he was super drunk and Mm. he would then want to you know sleep with me do all that stuff and I would say no because I didn't feel comfortable and then he would make me feel bad for it and actually you know started shaming me for it calling me names that you would typically not call somebody who is saying they don't want to have sex but you know whatever 
and then come which to find all stemmed out, from his own shame because exactly. he wasn't being honest about his own sexuality with exactly. himself but and let me tell you that fucked with me too Explicit well that has to be language i don't know if i need whatever. to put explicit rights or whatever but probably because i've sworn a bunch <laughs> i have such a rejection wound and it's sexually that too especially but i noticed that it stemmed from my dad feeling rejected by my dad feeling like my dad didn't care to be in my life at all mm. and then feeling rejected by like emotionally by like my parent but then that then transpired to all these relationships that rejected me and i can look back at it now and say that that relationship where you know that person was not being honest with themselves they were trying to make themselves like me even though they liked guys but I kind of also felt that wound a little bit because a lot of people would blame like me being the reason why he turned out to be you know into guys or whatever in high school that took a toll on me because it's like it made me feel ugly it made me feel like I wasn't rejected yeah it it made me feel like I wasn't pretty enough to like turn a guy on or whatever else and I internalized all those emotions and then now people were saying like oh like you turned him gay and all those things that's the worst thing anyone could say first of all you don't turn someone gay exactly and 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 then it breaks my heart too because it, it breaks my heart that he felt he couldn't be who he wanted to be because I'm huge now I look back and I'm like I'm all about self-acceptance and hmm. learning to accept yourself and other people for who they are at their core and not having to show up as some version of self that is living up to somebody else's expectations where you're like actually subconsciously denying who you are at your core so yeah that's very powerful you know, and and I think that relationship right there really also taught me that. But at the same time, it also was a relationship that did kind of, you know, reflect back my rejection wounds. And then moving on from that, then going on to another relationship when I moved schools and then him using me for sex and then leaving me that it was like so confusing. It was such a confusing time for me because I was like, am I worthy? And I slept with him thinking that that would make him want me more and like want me to stay in his life. But in reality, it did the opposite. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, like finally somebody is physically attracted to me. I'm not feeling rejected. So let me just give it my all and then getting rejected again, even though I gave my all. So it was like such a confusing time because I'm like, all right, well, this guy didn't want me physically. And now this guy does want me physically. But then as soon as he gets me physically, he doesn't want me anymore. It's like emotionally. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, so it took me a while. And all of that, I think, probably pushed me towards feeling like I needed to show up as some beautiful version of self and some sexual version of self. Hmm. So it's like your sexuality. It's almost like you need to go through this, I think, going forward. I would say like my my interpretation and you're going to think I'm crazy but I'm just going to say it. I think that your personal sexual empowerment journey and this doesn't mean that you're sleeping around. Okay, you're married. She's married. Yes, so I'm married. Have to do with her husband. <laughs> but I would say as a female your sexuality and how you feel in your body. And when I say sexuality, I don't mean being promiscuous. I mean how you feel in your body, how you show up for yourself emotionally, how you show up like confidence-wise in like the clothes that you wear and and why you do your hair and makeup, like those types of things. I honestly feel like you're meant to go on that journey like first before you have a child because I think you're you're meant to you're going to pass that on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if if you're in a place where you've reclaimed that empowerment, which is so powerful, you're going to spread that to your child. They're going to see you in like your full radiance of like, this is truly what a self-loving person looks like. And now I can fill you up the way that you need me to, because I've shown now, up for myself first. You may have just brought me to a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Because now I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, as I'm doing this reflection through this conversation, I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Because for a while, I was trying to prove myself through, you know, how I, how I showed up, how I looked, da, 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 for everybody else. And then it got to a point where it was kind of like I shut myself down now sexually and 
with makeup, beauty, and all that, I don't make myself look presentable. I'll be honest. I struggle. I lack the motivation to get up and get ready and make myself look good. And now I'm kind of having this realization moment that I think that I still have this very deep wound connected to my sexuality and just like intimacy in general, like being intimate with a person, showing up sexually without being afraid of rejection, because that's something I struggle with. By avoiding it. By yeah. avoiding it, you don't have to deal with the rejection. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Avoidance behavior. Exactly. That is a realization that I just came to through this conversation. See, this is why it's so important to have conversations with like-minded people and besties, let me tell you. Because get into this and then like all of a sudden you you find out things about yourself that you would have never thought about. I agree with that. And two, this whole struggle to conceive journey has also brought those wounds back out because let me tell you without you feel getting, unworthy yeah without getting like into details or whatnot but like yeah trying to conceive for something that you want it, it takes a toll on your sex life now i'm not saying like i have a horrible sex life or anything like that no but what i'm it's saying just is an obligatory there's an thing. obligation yeah it's like you're trying to make something happen so you feel like you need to do it and it needs to be perfectly timed which adds so much stress And then it's like, if you miss the window, you feel like you've missed your chance for that month. And then you have to start all over again the next month. And that's a whole nother time that goes by. I think that's also something that I'm realizing I need to work on is just, you know, learning how to have fun intimately, let go, know that I am worthy regardless, and that I'm beautiful and that, you know, deal with my own rejection wounds for sure, because I definitely still have them, clearly. (laughs) I think we all have, like we were saying, like progress over perfection. Like this yeah. is probably a huge milestone for you. And there's also an interesting thing that I saw on, it was like a TikTok video, but it was on Instagram. So I'm not on TikTok because waste enough time online of like, there's a cycle that you go through where like you have a habit and you have the reinforcement and then you have like, you don't change and it's a, it's cylindrical. And Did so it's almost like, I told you about? Uh, which book was it? It's that habit book. I forget what it's called now. Oh, Atomic Habits? Yes. I have that book. I'm pretty sure we talk about it in there. I should read it because I think I bought that for my husband and then I never read it and he never read it, but we should read it. Uh, We should read it together. I like that. So it's like this concept of like it's cylindrical and I feel like I've gotten into the same sort of pattern that you have of like avoidance, which is weird that we mirror each other a lot. But um, I think like starting like maybe once a week to break that habit where like you might get up and you might feel unworthy and you might want to avoid it, but kind of like forcing yourself on your own terms and maybe playing music that you really love or lighting some scents that really bring you a lot of fulfillment and enjoyment while you're doing mm-hmm. your hair and your makeup so that you're changing the reward system of what you're doing and you're changing the why behind what you're doing. Yeah, And I, I think even like they say like change change at a rate of 1% because if you change any higher than that, it's unrealistic that you're going to maintain it. So that's why I was saying like maybe once a week you could try something like that and see how it goes. I love that. And also something that I've been wanting to try for a while now too, and I don't know if this will sound strange to people, but there's something that I have really been wanting to do, which is get into the habit of either daily or weekly dancing, but like in a sensual way where I get confident with my own body in a sensual mm-hmm. way because that will help with my sexuality and just like you know intimacy is becoming do more you... intimate with myself and dancing mm-hmm. in like an intimate way. <laughs> do you need to come and visit me? Because I just found this thing on Instagram that they've been doing in Austin and it's about like reclaiming like the female energy, like Ooh, sexual energy. And they basically do like, like really female empowering music and they do yoga in lingerie and it's all women okay yeah and I was like I really kind of want to go to that because I feel like a lot of me like I think from like being bullied and everything I still feel very like awkward sexually I'm very clunky and clumsy and so I feel like whenever I allow myself to fully be free and not judge Mm -hmm. myself is when like I'm actually more confident and powerful And I feel like that's a good way to get in touch with that. Yeah, no, honestly, this conversation definitely took a turn that I was not expecting, but I think I'm all here for it because I feel like it's not talked about enough. I feel like a lot of people can relate with not feeling confident in a sexual way. 
And Mm -hmm. also the negative energy behind sex as well, because it's very demonized by, at least for me, it was for a while, because growing up, it was like being around super religious family members. It's like, don't have sex before marriage. Nobody wanted to talk about sex. Nobody talked about sex. No. The other thing that no one talked about when I was growing up and I was even like going through the self-exploration of your body is masturbation. Mm, That too. Nobody talked about it. And the only time anyone ever talked about it with me was like, it was a shame thing. Shameful. You don't do it. And like, I grew up Catholic. We grew up Catholic. So it was like, masturbation is a sin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's those beliefs that were pushed onto us that made us kind of not want to express our own sexual energy fully because we've been rejected and shamed for it in the past this conversation has brought so much to my awareness I love Mm -hmm. that for us (laughs) (laughs) so going back to let's say like perfectionism Mm. something that I want to oh yeah actually I'm backtracking back to the whole getting ready thing right and like making that a habit to like get up and get ready so something that I struggle with is I struggle with feeling like if I make time for myself, I won't have time to get other things done that I need to get done. Or like, for example, I think maybe it stems from having a mom who worked so hard growing up. Mm, I just so want like to come working. I want to come through this call, this Zoom call we're on to record this uh, podcast and have you hold out your hand and smack it because <laughs> you can't fill from an empty cup. You can't fill up your business and, and you that. can't fill up other people. If you don't fill up yourself, I feel like that's one of the things I struggle with in our friendship is I try to like force you (laughs) to fill up your own cup. And sometimes you're just like really resistant. And then I know like we we butt heads a little and I'm like, but I just want you to do this because I know it's going to be good for you. And you're like, but I don't feel like it. And I'm like, just do it. I know she like forced me to stretch with her right before this call. (laughs) But it's true. I know. I know. I struggle with it. And it's something that I literally tell everybody else to do. And I'm owning it up right now that like I need to take my own damn advice because sometimes I struggle and I think that's my issue. I'm focused so much on how I can help people better their own life, but then I end up putting my own my own needs on the back burner and that's my own fault. I can't blame it on anyone but myself. And yeah, I need to just take responsibility for that. And it's like, I need to actually take the time to pencil in my self-love and pencil in that time and know that even if I make time for it, I will still have time to get my work done. Just knowing that you're worthy of that commitment from yourself because you're worthy. You're worthy of of acknowledging and loving yourself. And that's what showing up and loving yourself is like. And I I think I feel like you can like permission to do that. I I feel like you can relate too, though, because I feel like when you were going through nursing school, you put yourself Mm. on the back burner. Mm, Yeah, I I would say like I probably put myself on the back burner. I would say even more so starting this job as a nurse, I've probably put myself more on the back burner. But I think I've been doing some like avoidance behavior because I've been avoiding maybe like some deep rooted wounds that like my mom passing and all these other things happening in my life and realizing that like my dad's not here have like kind of brought up because for a long time I was very shamed growing up about my body and the way that it looked by like so many people aunts uncles grandparents my dad never shamed me really and I don't really remember my mom specifically like personally shaming me but I just remember like a lot of external people like commenting on like the size clothes I was wearing or I couldn't wear something like that because of the way that my body looked like I had this one memory that's like burned into my like consciousness for like ever which explains why I love swimming and hate wearing a bathing suit my good friend I grew up with was there with me it was um one of the neighbors who live at the end of the street, you, you're going to know who it is. And her and I went with my meme and we were going to buy a bathing suit. And I really wanted to buy this cute, they're back in style now. It's like a two-piece bikini with like shorts and like a bandana shaped top. And I really wanted it. And I just remember my grandmother telling me like, you can't get that because you're too fat. Like you can't wear it two-piece. You're too, you're too fat. And she was really kind of cold-hearted about it and was basically like, I'm not gonna buy it for you because you shouldn't be wearing that. And I remember just 
her leaving the dressing room and me and my friend and I was just like crying because my friend was short, small, very skinny, very cute in a two-piece bikini and I just like couldn't process why first of all someone I loved was so horrific to me about the way that I looked and two I had never realized fully I think until that moment of like how much emphasis one people put on their exterior looks and how their bodies are but I had never felt so uncomfortable in my own skin and I've I've I don't think like since then I've ever fully felt comfortable I've always and that bleeds into the the sexual liver uh, acceptance of oneself too because if I don't feel comfortable in my body I'm not comfortable being with a partner so it's like manifested in all these other ways and then when I was in high school and college I was like really heavy I think I got to like 200 pounds because I ended up in avoidance behavior I never worked out I didn't eat healthy I just I just did whatever felt good because eating felt good and if I already looked bad then I might as well eat because it makes me feel good and it became like an overeating problem uh, that had also stemmed from an abusive step parent who like when I was growing up and I was really little, I used to, you know, I was a like small child. I was actually skinny as a child. So I would eat and then I'd be like, okay, mommy, like I'm done. I'm full. You know, kids don't eat a lot. We're small children. But my stepdad was abused. And so he would put like so much food on our plates and he would be like, you're not leaving the dinner table till you eat everything. And one of the times he did that to me, we were out to eat at like another friend's house and he forced me to eat all the food and then on the way home I threw up in the car because I when I told them I was physically full I was physically full which then this leads into another podcast episode I want to talk about which is like a mother wound mm-hmm. because my mother didn't protect me in that moment she yeah. didn't say no this is my child she's telling me she's full she's not eating anymore mm. and so that relationship with food became an overeating where like Oh, I'm not eating now because I need nourishment. I'm eating now because I emotionally need this. I'm connected. Like I'm eating because it feels good, because it tastes good. And so when I decided to lose weight, that was at a time where like my dad was pretty sick, but he hadn't officially passed. I think I took it even more seriously after he passed because I felt like short was really, life was really short. (laughs) So that whole weight loss journey for me, it wasn't solely based on my physical appearance. I will admit that was a small motivation or maybe even half if I'm being really blatantly honest with myself because I I didn't want to be the fat friend anymore, like the fat, ugly friend anymore. I wanted to be one of the pretty girls. But really it started out as like, why am I emotionally turning to food? Why am I overeating so much? Why don't I exercise? Why don't I value myself and my existence and how short my life truly is I'm not living up to my fullest potential like if my dad fought his whole life till he was 47 to exist for his family and then he just collapsed because he was trying to do all the things that he was doing I felt an obligation to my own life to fight for my own life and I wasn't wow that's really powerful Mm mm-hmm Yeah, that is a lot for someone to go through. And I can only imagine the effect of all that and how your self-esteem was affected, your self-worth was affected. The fact that you had someone tell you like you can't wear that because you're too fat. That's just that's horrible. Like the fact that people truly say mean shit like this to other humans hurts my heart. Mm, It's just like devastating. And then to this day, I don't feel comfortable in bathing suits like even if like I get a two-piece bathing suit and Trev's like you look really good and I'm just like I'm not I'll I'll buy it I have like three or four two-piece bathing suits you know what I wear my one piece I don't wear my two pieces and I think this just goes to show that we definitely need to do our own work for sure Mm -hmm. to get confident and accept ourselves for who we are. And I think too, something that I think probably a lot who are listening can relate to is the fact that we just can't take a compliment. The fact that when people compliment us, we're so quick to say like, to to say like, nah, like how could you think that? Or like to literally, like, because sometimes I'll do that. When my husband compliments me, I'm like, you think I look beautiful right now at my absolute worst? Are you crazy? What is it? Oh, what's that? you um not devalue there's another word not discredit where you basically like diminish how you actually feel or like you diminish 
the compliment that you receive yeah yeah it really is that it's like we can't we can't take a compliment because we truly feel deep within that that person's lying to us or that we're not deserving yeah we're not deserving of that compliment and that's something I definitely need to work on is to just take a compliment to really love myself for who I am and feel accepted in all ways and not reject myself because sometimes I do feel like those external realities that are happening are just always just reflecting back how we feel within so if I feel if I continuously reject certain parts of myself and I keep like telling myself that I'm not worthy of something, the universe is going to continuously show that to me through my external reality in ways where I'm getting rejected, however that may be, however rejection may happen. But It's almost it, like you're attracting the rejection, which keeps triggering the wound because exactly, you haven't. because you have to heal you it. You haven't have to fully addressed yeah. it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens. And the universe is going to do that. And they especially will do it through relationships with other people. They'll do it through life experiences. For example, this is something else that just happened to me this week, but it doesn't really go off of what I was just talking about, but it's how the mm. re- my reality is getting reflected back to me. But I struggled a lot with my money mindset for a really long time because I watched parents like struggle growing up financially and like working really hard to make ends meet. And then as soon as they feel stable, life came through and ripped, <laughs> ripped the rug from beneath them and it all fell again. And I had that situation somewhat kind of feel like it was happening to me because I felt like I finally had like a good like leg up on my finances and doing really well. And then all of a sudden it was like the universe was like, well, just kidding. Here's a $2,000 bill that you have to pay. And it was unexpected. It wasn't something I was planned or prepared for. And it's kind of like getting me to test myself and my money mindset and my beliefs and believing that, you know, even when unexpected things like this happen, I'm going to be okay. I don't have to be on survival mode at all times and just kind of reflecting. I want to do another episode on money mindset. I haven't done one in a really long time, but this Mm. situation definitely got me to practice those money mindset beliefs and shifts. Yeah, I think going forward, our our next I kind of have our next three planned out. We'll probably do parenting mother wounds and then relationships, Mm. toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. and then like money mindset. Because a lot of my self-worth triggers, I think, relate to my first real adult relationship and how that kind of panned out and why I stayed in it for so long when it, it it was extremely toxic. But I think... I kind of want to save all of that story. Oh, yeah. Save that for that episode. That will be very (laughs) empowering. But I will say. Powerful. Yeah. I will say that once I went on that spiritual, like, I deserve better after my dad kind of died, which is interesting because I feel like when my mom died, I've done the opposite. So I need to go back to the way I was before. But yeah, that's when I ended up getting in a better more functional relationship and then now I'm married to that same person exactly not the same person the toxic relationship but the person I met after my dad died when I got out of that toxic relationship I married him so it's kind of interesting and that like that's just another thing too it's like make sure you're eliminating you're getting rid of what no longer serves you because until you do so you're not going to have room for new or better when you're holding on to like toxic relationships, because if you still held held on to that toxic relationship, you may not have ever met your person, you know? But that Mm -hmm. also goes to say too, like before we end this episode, I kind of wanted to touch base on the whole should have mentality, because I think that's one big way that we guilt ourselves. I was just sharing this on Instagram the other day, that mindset of should have. Yeah. And it's like, that's how we guilt ourselves. And that's how we shame ourselves. Like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. Should have been better. Yeah. It's like that, that can contribute to perfectionism and not feeling worthy and kind of also breaking trust with yourself. Because I feel like having trust with yourself is so important when it comes to self-worth and confidence. Because when you don't trust yourself, you don't, you're not going to have any confidence in yourself. And when you say you should have done it this way, or you should have been better, you should have known better, you're subconsciously telling yourself that you don't know what you're doing. You don't, how can you trust yourself then? I think that stems from the negativity surrounding the concept of 
what it means to fail versus mm-hmm. the idea of succeed. Succeeding and failing are, what is it, mutually exclusive relationship where like if you're failing, you're succeeding in a lot of ways and changing your mentality of how you view failure. Because when I say you're failing and, and succeeding all in one, like when you fail, that is when the most grounding and powerful learning is happening because when you mess up something, you're learning what not to do. You're learning what what to do. Learning is is the best thing that you can do and you have to give yourself the permission to be able to 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 learn because if you don't give yourself permission to learn, you don't give yourself permission to quote fail in that negative sense and then you don't give yourself the permission to succeed. If yeah. you never give yourself that space, you're never going to progress through those phases. Absolutely. It's like Failure, learning, success. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like this pattern that you keep going through. And you just have to give yourself the grace of time and presence to do those things. And if other people see you failing, learning, succeeding, and they only see you in one of those three aspects, they don't see you in all three, they form biased opinions of you. But that's where it comes back to like knowing who you are and protecting that space. Exactly. And like self-acceptance and not needing external validation. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing that I feel like so a lot hard. of people Yeah, a lot of people struggle with is like the need for external validation in order to feel worthy. Like especially when it comes to achieving things. I'm not saying you let everybody know because you want that validation. Sometimes you just want to share. On the flip side of that, sometimes we do it because we want that validation. Just like when you know you were a child and you got an A plus on your paper and you came home and you were like, mom, look, look at how good I did in school. Show me that I'm worthy, you know? And it's like you look towards everybody else for external validation, but then what if they don't give it to you? Then what? Even one could even say that the A itself was external validation. Exactly. That Exactly. How messed up is that, right? At the end of the day, you want to find so much inner peace with yourself that you don't have to rely on anything outside of you to fill you up. But the, yeah, the, like the chaos that's happening outside of yourself is not what's... Yeah, it's not going to affect pe- your it's not penetra- Yeah, it's not like penetrating you. Yeah, and because that's hard. It's something I think we're all working on, which goes with that progress over perfection, you know, Mm -hmm. working on not allowing like negative things to penetrate you because there's like a bunch of stuff going on in terms of like transformations of how they want to run the hospital that I work at. And a lot of people are very like upset and angry about it. It's becoming kind of like a negative-ish work environment. And Mm. I just started and I'm like, oh man, I can't, like I can't even allow this. Yeah, I was telling my husband the other day, I'm like, I can't even allow this to like penetrate my soul. Like I need to just go to work, do my job and go home and just like tune it all out because Mm -hmm. it's it's going to seep into my soul and it will affect me and it's just not worth it to let things outside of you especially things outside of your control to consume you and to consume Mm -hmm. your energy and steal your peace especially because I feel like that's another thing is like the whole control thing and trying to feel like you have to control everything outside of you in order to create this perfect stable environment around you but in reality the most stability comes when you start finding it within you because then your external reality will reflect that back to you it's a really powerful quote I heard it was like what was it it was like you can't control your environment but you can control your reaction that too and it was it, it it went along something like boats don't sink because of the water that is around them it sinks because of the water that gets inside of it that's super powerful. I definitely am think not about that, that right, in terms but of like, it is. Yeah, yeah but if you think ourselves. about it in terms of negativity or like yeah. external factors, like we're not going to sink because negativity is happening around us. We're going to sink because we're letting it allow into it us in. and letting it consume us. Yeah, it was so very powerful. powerful. Yeah. So I think on that note, we talked a lot about Should a lot today. So I'm wrap this up. Very. This is great. This opened my mind a lot to some homework that I have to do. (laughs) Hopefully people listening also realize they have some homework to do as well. But I really hope you found this episode inspiring, motivational in some way. Mm -hmm. And 
We are really excited to be back with another episode soon, but don't forget to follow us on social media. I will leave in the show notes below both of our accounts so you can follow us. We love connecting with you guys. We love hearing your feedback, any stories you want to share. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and until next time. Thank you guys.